God keeps our lives hurling on, spinning in a whirlwind. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum. On this episode of the podcast, we have the legendary Callum Powell. Powell is a professional parkour athlete and was one of the OG adopters of the parkour movement back in 2006. On this episode of the podcast, he takes us down the rabbit holes of the mindset and preparation behind the big jumps that he does. His thoughts on strength training for parkour athletes and how our field has already bastardized parkour. I hope you guys get as much out of this one as I did. Keep chopping wood. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite-level guests to unravel what high performance really is. Well, Colin, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Nice one. It's an honor. Cheers. Yeah, for, first, first parkour athlete. Uh, I'm pretty pumped for this. We've been doing, I, I was telling you about like kind of our Americanized version of, uh, American team sport version of uh of parkour that we kind of implement with our athletes but I, I look at your page and we're uh one of the things i, I kept showing my athletes because they were talking about some of the stuff that they were doing and how cool it was and i showed them that video of you were you're jumping over this like 60 foot building on you like you're you caught you caught the building with just your toes and kind of went <laughs> over and you said something like uh i loved your post you're like dear muggles like before you judge like <laughs> realize like i've been doing this forever but uh, i'm pretty pumped to have you here yeah thanks man yeah you saw that you saw that video then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was like, I'm at this crazy bastard on the podcast. This will be a good one. Yeah, a re- a really common um thing that people will say is um, oh my god, he only just made it. You see how he landed like on his tiptoes. It's like, yeah, that is like how you would safely land. Like if if you would land a bit further when you're leaning that far backwards to receive the landing, you will just slip out like a lot of the times when we're aiming to like stick landings we'll we'll try and like catch an edge like that just so there's more like i don't know friction or whatever yeah well and that te- technical yeah. expertise that you kind of have that other people don't have but when you watch from from the outside without that technical expertise it's kind of like wow that is crazy yeah i get that it's so funny <laughs> yeah and that that jump specifically took a long time to build up to like on that day specifically i mean like my whole training was technically leaning up to that point but like just on that day um yeah maybe like hour hour and a half like making sure that i get the right run up and everything and finding like um like a very specific prep um 
to like know that I'm going to get the power output that I need to to make it across. Um, and yeah, and then when I actually went for it, um, I think you, if you watch the whole clip, you can see uh, like security on the yep. roof. <laughs> yeah. so literally like as I'm going to go for it, they come up. And I think one of them is like, he's kind of shook of us because th there was quite a few of us up there. And I think they grab a brick. I don't know why, but like all this shit is going on. And I'm like, just like giving thumbs up to like the, the guy on the drone and, and the guys filming. And yeah, it's fucking intense. It, it makes my that was like 2016 so like six years ago now and i don't know i'm i was i was on something else back then i'm 31 now and like it makes my butthole pucker up like seeing <laughs> that seeing that clip yeah that, yeah that was wild but i want i want to get into that 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 mental build-up you talked about the long time to build up during that day and during that training i definitely want to dive into that but before i kind of send you off into this tangent because that's something that like you just mentioned that i'm like okay that's going to be sweet to talk about how you did that can we talk about your build up to even before that? Like how how do you do get into the world of jumping over buildings and doing all these cool things that you're doing? Like how did you get into this world? How did you get started? Like what's kind of your background? Um I guess uh like I said to you before like um I don't watch a lot of team sports and I never really did them much when I was younger. I I was more into like the extreme sports kind of stuff like i dabbled with skateboarding but my main love was rollerblading okay um and that sport kind of died uh, there was no one doing it in my area and nowhere really to do it um and then in 2005 there was this uh documentary on channel four in england called jump britain which had like one of the um french originators um this is the same French dude, Sebastian Foucan, that is um, in the 2006 Bond film, Casino Royale, the intro, which is has a lot of parkour. That was like one of the first like parkour media things um, that like blew it up on the big screen. But this documentary, Jump Britain, um, was one of the first waves, like it created one of the first waves of people practicing in the UK and Europe. Um, so, yeah, I saw that. And um, essentially, uh, and so did a bunch of my friends in school. And, and we pretty much just went out to parks and just started clambering around on anything we could. Um, and then slowly, like, the passion for that quickly took over. Well, yeah, the passion for that quickly took over um, rollerblading pretty fast. And, yeah, I think it was a fad for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people would have imagined it was going to be a fad for most. But, um I guess it was to some extent because it and then um it kind of whittled down to like a core group of people that kind of stuck it out and that was like 16 years ago and still doing it and now making a living from it and we have like seven and a half million subscribers on youtube so there's definitely people that want to see it and yeah i think um we're one of the groups that are really um hopefully pushing participation in the sport as well which is yeah fantastic yeah that's pretty wicked people want to see it every for every person i've showed your page to on on instagram and everybody's like holy crap like some of this stuff is, is pretty wicked i'm you talked about because this is how i imagined it happened so that that's cool to hear that you you and your friends were just eating yourself at parks can you kind of talk pretty about much. the early days like where you guys just want like because especially before like you were probably even before it was like youtube maybe maybe not but you probably before it was even youtube famous like you were early early wave how did you get started mm -hmm. in like 
kind of even knowing what to do? Like, was it just, literally just you and your friends like saw a bench and like, I'm going to jump over this and do something cool. And like, and then how did you eventually transition that into like what you're doing now? Like you said, the passion took over, but what were kind of those steps to like, okay, I'm jumping over this bench and we're, we, we have no idea what we're doing. We're just learning this and it's fun to like, now this is a full fledged living. Yeah. I guess how we started was like you said, just yeeting yourself off shit. Like, <laughs> A lot of the a lot of the videos early on because it was it was so fucking basic back in the day. I'm this is the thing. I'm so surprised so many people got into it because it did just look compared to today's standards. It standards it looks dog shit. Like <laughs> if you look, watch like anything prior to 2004, apart from like a few like gnarly roof gaps, it looks really pony and lame. Um, but we pretty much went out to mimic like the high drops and and just like random vaults over benches and anything we could find pretty much. And I think what kept us going was um, because the progression was was so quick, I guess. And as as soon as after this first wave of people after this documentary, there was and YouTube was just starting as well. It was pretty much exponential group. Uh, ex exponential growth of um, suddenly this parkour hive mind was like uh, in action and um, everyone was just like adding ideas so like the the French originators that started literally just in their own little bubble and now that bubble just expanded by thousands of people um, the progression was like insane and it's been just getting bigger and bigger since and now there's people like Dom Tomato that are literally just doing game shit like video game stuff um but yeah back then just like a lot of height drops and it was lucky we started when we were 15 or around that age because yeah knees yeah. <laughs> like the the amount of stress going through the knees like i know i know a lot of basketball players and stuff um like get tendonitis from um dropping from way less of a of a height but maybe it's more of like the plyometric base like uh plyometric stuff that's like rapid loading and then unloading of tendons and stuff that's more the thing because we have like the roll like the the breakfall yep. kind of thing so maybe it's it's more that but i mean that's not to say like there were a lot of eggs broken like yeah. uh, i have a i have a lot of friends that had uh tendinopathies quandro malaysia patella and like Osgood Schlatter syndrome, all those like knee things. And yeah, it well, wasn't just, it wasn't just people falling out of love of jumping off high things. It was also because uh, chronic injuries and shit. <laughs> yeah. And it takes, probably takes a little bit for some of those things to pop up too. It's like, you, like you said, it feels great when you're 15, 16, and then mm. like you guys start to get to 25, 30 and it's like, okay, may maybe we should uh, stay chill with that. When was that kind of light ball moment for you to where like, okay, maybe like we should start working on different things instead of continuing to like yeet ourselves off of these high things that are probably not going to make our bodies last. It was kind of a cultural thing, honestly. There was okay. um there was a few articles written in like um, 2007, uh, pretty much like saying the people that started parkour, the, the videos that you're watching and mimicking, they had already been doing this stuff for 10 years and they had like the gradual buildup and they built up the strength um, to resist against these drops and everything um through repetition um and there was us just going out and trying to replicate the same kind of harsh things uh on our first session and like 
we didn't know better like we just wanted to and we weren't thinking of it from like a sports standpoint we were just wanted to do shit like ninja turtles or whatever like that's what and spider-man that's like uh yeah a lot of the early practitioners are super nerdy in that sense but, yeah um yeah it became a cultural thing like for um self-preservation and longevity became more of a more of a thing for um, sure which and, still is today luckily but and you talked about wanting to like be that ninja turtle and this is something that i i saw you post about briefly it's like the the balance of like turning and i i'm not i'm not totally into parkour world so i wasn't totally sure on what you were talking about but it seemed like <laughs> it was like turning the parkour world into a sport and i think you're saying it's going to be in the olympics or something but that was something that was super interesting because like it's like how do you turn something that is so free-flowing and so artistic into like the structured world of a sport like how how what is the balance there for you like one just like doing it yourself like how do you how do you balance that kind of like creative artistic aspect with something where it's like okay if you are going to turn into a sport you need to find a way to score that sport almost and yeah. like, you know like how, how are you how are you balancing those things in your head and even when you're doing it because when it when it did turn it and maybe maybe it didn't maybe you didn't have to balance it when it turned into a living but if it did turn into a living with you like for you uh was there any point in which you did have to structure that free-flowing stuff a little bit more for either uh i don't know about the content but maybe just like the sport itself like what was that kind of approach like for you and how do you kind of see that going in the future of because it, it just seems so like the beauty of it is the chaos of it you know mm -hmm. and to, how do you like funnel that beauty and chaos into the structured world of like olympic standards yeah 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 great question um i don't know what to pick out first honestly i think um one of the best things about our sport is how broad it is and how varied um practically anyone can come into the sport and see something and find something that is um that can fit them whether it's like the more creative movement aspect or purely power stuff big gaps um or like uh the more mentally challenging things like the stuff that's high up or and it, and it incorporates like climbing acrobatics um swinging stuff it's it's fucking endless um but how how it's been um with competition which i mean from from the start people have been um pushing back against competition for the longest time but um we found ways where it can definitely work um there's the freestyle side um so like style competitions where it's like you have a space and you practically just make a line from depending on the competition it can be 10 seconds to a minute long and you can just fill it with your hardest stuff and it's judged on uh creativity difficulty execution and flow so flow will be like how well you connect everything um for example and then you have speed which is the most subjective of of all of them um whereas you have a course and sometimes the courses will be quite open and allow for more strategy and some of them will be a bit more linear and um and uh like a bottleneck kind of thing um and and you might have seen some of the races as well where you see people on a purely linear course and they're going head to head um that's what um the uh 
oh, it's not worth getting into but like that's that's what uh the uh international federation of gymnastics are trying to get into the olympics that style of um competition uh and then the third one is skill competitions where it's the competition organizers will set up um a selection of challenges and um pretty much you have to complete them so that's that's pretty uh and they can be like jumps big swings um the one where you hang on a wall and like pull up and yeah pretty much it's it's pretty open they just set challenges and you go against other people to rack up points sometimes it's like the have you seen um the bouldering comps yep the bouldering comps where they're flying through them yep yeah yeah some some of it's on like a tick list kind of uh format but yeah um those those are the three um so depending on your strengths um and how you like to practice the sport you can go into any three of those and some people do all three in the same event and uh yeah i kind of i do like that 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 competition aspect bringing in because it is does it's subjective but a lot of sports are subjective like uh if you yeah. like ice skating or something like that so you still have that artistic aspect hmm. have you found yourself like how have you balanced yourself um balancing those things have you have, have you just stuck in the freestyle stuff world and like videos and going through there or have you ever had to kind of draw your your freestyleness into like a specific task and i think jumping over that building that that's a great example of like the parkour world is very freestyle and everything that you're doing is freestyle but now you're narrowing it down into a specific task like what's that kind of process like for you to coming from this world of chaos to coming to this world that's maybe just a little bit more structured or a little bit more um goal specific yeah yeah i would i would say mine mine is kind of goal specific like i'll i will get to a spot um I'll see a challenge that appeals to me and um, I'll just work on breaking that down until I can get it. And whether that's like, it's technically very challenging physically or mentally, or like uh, a good combination of the three. Um, so that, that'll be, that's, that's my kind of style. Like, and it'll be more like jumping based kind of movement, but um, sometimes more likely on, active recovery days i'll i'll try and create less intense kind of flowy lines and stuff but some people are um, attracted to that side of it specifically but then incorporate really intense kind of acrobatic stuff uh in in that line um but yeah i wouldn't say like i'm more the like more on the artistic style kind of side of the spectrum um but that's definitely something that i could be improving on that's the thing like i i, I every, everyone's worried about getting to 30 um and then not being able to practice like the intense stuff but because our sport is so varied you you can't really peak because you can just go down on a different offshoot and um like getting the more creative flowy kind of side of things but then also an another offshoot could be just focusing on the mental aspect like a lot of the jumps that i will do up at high up at height um like and the climbing stuff that'll be 60 percent of my uh maximum jump for example because i'm i'm not really 
I don't think anyone's um, really doing stuff that's really close to their physical limit with like such high consequence. You know what I mean? So you can still like I, I'm hoping to be like 50, 60 and still going up on rooftops and doing the stuff that isn't too physically demanding, but is super fucking mentally demanding and still trying to grow that aspect of the craft. Um, yeah, I don't know if I answered any question there. or just <laughs> no. one no, that's perfect. There's two points. There's two points I want to go into there. The one, the mental part, I'll get to that in a little bit because I think that's going to be awesome. But two, you you kind of glanced over this, but you said you get to a spot and you just come up with like you see a challenge. Like, um, is that an art? Like, is that an art to like get to a spot? Because like I, somebody can look at the same thing you're looking at and not see mm. a challenge there. They see a rock there or they see a gap there. You know, like I, I've seen yeah. some of your videos. I'm like, I'm not looking at that the way you look at that and come up with that challenge. What's that kind of process like? Uh, and you talked about the mental aspect. Like, how are you coming up with these challenges? Like, um, you just get to a spot and like, what's that mental envisioning process like? And is it just a lot of trial and error of like, uh, okay, like that was way too easy. That was way too hard. That doesn't make any sense. I can add this. Like, how, how what's that process like for you? So, um, I guess that's that's uh coming to a spot and seeing challenges. We call it parkour vision. It's like okay. um we see shit everywhere we go pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Like um and and that vision expands based on your experience, but also like the parkour media that you watch as well. So like everything we watch, we're also like, oh shit, that's a really cool idea. That's a cool way to use that kind of structure that I could potentially find like on my next training session. I'll keep my eye out for those kind of dimensions or shapes or whatever um so yeah and, and it's all based off your own experience as well and what you have done previously and kind of the stuff that you want to build upon so it's very environment based um yeah you just get to a spot and you see stuff that you want to do that appeals to you and uh and sometimes your mate finds it and and yeah i don't know just the yeah, we just see shit everywhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like that parkour vision point because that's something that you, you see in sports too. It's like, uh, I mean, specific, if you want to go super specific and like, run, like, um, in a uh, team sports, it's like they, they have the vision of like the running back as the running back vision. But how are you like, do you think that's pretty innate to have that parkour vision? Like you talked about being attracted to kind of these extreme sports. So that was kind of that menta mentality is probably in your brain already of like seeing mm. these challenges and seeing it. Yeah, yeah. But do you think it's pretty innate or do you think you're able to build up? You talked about like some of the videos you watch. Um, But how do you think like some of these breakthrough breakthroughs in the parkour vision kind of happen is it just hanging around super creative people and continuing to expose yourself to new environments or how do you think we can kind of people can kind of build up that parkour vision to, to see these things if they are in the parkour world mm. i think well well that's the thing it's it's always based on like i was talking about like the parkour hive mind like uh it's just ideas being built upon ideas and we're like it's the whole saying of um we're standing upon the shoulders of giants kind of thing like i don't think um creativity can exist in a vacuum like if it was only and this comes back to like the originators of parkour in france that were um that it's such a small bubble of people they didn't have too many ideas to bounce back and forwards so it, it was <clears throat> they're still like immensely creative coming up with the stuff that they did because they had very little to go off other than like Jackie Chan films and Ninja Warrior 
no uh, Ninja Turtles and Spider Man and all that stuff, They're, and um, just trying to replicate that stuff. But <clears throat> a very small circle to bounce ideas off. Um, but lo- a lot of it just comes from, yeah, we we just consume a lot of content, whether YouTube, Instagram, and uh, yeah, and then when you get to a spot, you can just try it, and sometimes it can be the the spot with less things to interact with which really um get your mind working for the weird interesting things because you start to use little intricate things that you would normally overlook at a more built-up spot i i like that a lot because i my, my, i ask these questions because i really like tying in like outlier type sports and outlier type people into like this pretty structured world that is team sports and uh, you talk about not following it very much but like the traditional training of like team sports and like the approach to it is is like we have the answers like everything's solidified like it's all done so it's like like mm. th- there's just no open box approach and I, lo- I love bringing in that kind of outside approach and that creativity approach because like one of the cool things about parkour is that freedom to create. And one of the things that you talked about is like the, sometimes like the less there is the easier it is to create. Cause it's like not like there's less to work with. So you have to be more creative. And a lot of times in the strength yeah. conditioning world, we're stuck in these like pretty boxes where we have every single bell and tool and whistle that we could possibly want. So like there is no creativity because the answer is so structured and so streamlined to everything that we go. And then we don't approach it in that right, right way. So I, I, I really love that kind of, creative approach that we're able to i i think we can really steal from the world of hardcore and add into our athletes and we see it a ton it's like a lot of times in our training like even if it is just throwing out a ball or throwing out a box mm. and tell them to be creative like those are some of our best warm-up sessions like a lot of times we call it box parkour but we'll throw out a box or we'll throw out one or two boxes uh we'll put 10 minutes on the clock we'll have them jump over the box in a different way and i know this is a very like simplified version of parkour yeah. but the ability to get them jumping over something in a different way is so much better than if I told them to like jump in a 360, like even that aspect, mm-hmm. but we're not even doing that in most ways, but like just simplifying what we're able to work with and then having the creativity and the complexity come from their minds rather than um, the tool that I give them. Mm. Yeah. I think um, what you're doing is really cool. And uh, I can see, I can see like the, the Rafe Kelly um, either influence or just like, it's, it's, it's very, uh, very similar and you've you've come to like the same kind of uh conclusions and stuff but um i've noticed uh i've seen a few things where in sports science parkour has been it's it's growing in appreciation as what's called a donor sport yep um which is essentially it's something that's so broad and general uh that it having parkour as a base can can help um what is it it's help fight against over specialization of athletes which which can be be a problem i guess um and i read something just earlier on um uh simply faster where um they're talking they're talking about that kind of principle um and the way they're implementing it is super atomized like and and it's really not getting the the broader picture they're like kind of jumping off boxes and like landing on one foot to try and like i don't know they're they're trying to replicate parkour in a really like in a way that is is just not it's not chaos it's not chaos and 
and what what you see in Rafe Kelly's work and 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 your stuff is you're creating the environment where that chaos can kind of happen and i don't know it, you're just putting yourself in in those positions naturally rather than you're knowing what to expect kind of thing i don't know maybe you can talk to this way better than i can but it's no just, no no that, i'm trying to verbalize what i'm seeing i i love that i want to hear i actually want to hear you talk about kind of kind of this aspect <laughs> because that's i mean that's what i see it's like okay so now it's like before it was parkour was completely sworn off and then you say like the, the sports scientists they come in and they see like they see what everybody else has been seeing it's like okay it should have been obvious to us in the first place but because mm. we didn't have this study to say like okay like so we weren't able to do it even though obviously like like they'll they'll say like uh it's dangerous to jump like that in parkour it's dangerous to jump like that in the training uh but then you'll watch them on the football field or pitch and they're jumping like that all the time but now they didn't mm. have that study so it was dangerous before now they accepted okay it's it's not dangerous because the scientist told me it's not dangerous but now we're going to do it in this specific way it's like you're just butchering the art of you know like the art of chaos that you talked about bringing in um and that that was one thing i love that you brought that out because that's one thing that i'm i'm super interested in is yeah how would you like how would you go about implementing some of these things or what are some things that you think are super easily implementable to a person maybe that's not a parkour athlete to where they're actually using it as a donor sport like the things that you think are actually like super powerful in the that that parkour can bring to these sports how would you go about implementing that into some of these athletes training methods to where it's not like now we're just calling it parkour but you're just doing a single leg landing and you're still trying to like teach that like you're trying to like knees out single leg like chest up it's like man like like come on man like, go look at an athlete like none of them are actually landing like that no matter how hard you think like no matter how mm. hard you try to tell them to do it when they get to their sport they're not doing it so anyways that was that was a rant um how would you take these things? How would you take like the tangibles that you want to see that you really enjoy about parkour that you think can really help some of these team sport athletes? How would you take some of these things and kind of apply them to the the team sport atmosphere? I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess it's just, I, I'm trying to think of something more interesting to say than just trying it, like attending a parkour class and just, just getting immersed in the movement and having like a goal lead you rather than rather than someone saying this is how you land this is how you i don't know because it's it's the overcoaching it's the overcueing mm -hmm. often that is is uh yeah i don't know over preparation kind of thing i mean you get that in you get that in parkour classes as well like you get people overcueing rather than yeah i i don't i don't really know apart from from that I, I wouldn't i wouldn't tell people to just go and practice parkour because uh like without someone leading the session or without like someone that actually knows what they're doing like with them just yeah i don't know like just getting a bunch of team sports athletes to like you just send them to like a concrete outdoor spot and just, <laughs> yeah, like, probably not hope, gonna hoping, great. hoping they come back like uh uninjured <laughs> but yeah I, I don't know it's a good question well, that, that's a, that's a really with the quote that you said, have a goal lead you. I, I think that's super powerful. We were talking about that this mm. morning. We were playing this like silly warm up game. And the one dude just kept asking for the rules. And another guy answered him. And this other guy is like a pretty, pretty adaptable athlete. And he's like, like, you're, you're he's like, you're missing the point. Like the, the point is not rules. Like the point is to get to the goal. Like the, po the point is to like 
accomplish the mission you know like that mm. i think that's super powerful because like as coaches we I, like we lose sight of that because our power is in rules like that's how we get our power that's how we get the pat ourselves on the back is by yeah, we yeah, give yeah, these yeah, yeah all these rules like then we feel powerful we feel super important um but really like what we should be doing is giving them a goal like a, a goal and hopefully that goal applies to their overarching goal you know like and that like these goals apply and like build upon each other um when when you're looking at like have a goal lead you what are some of these goals that you think either that you look at when you, when you're looking at like a setting or like you think in a team sport, athlete, like one of the things like what I do is like, I put up something high and I tell them to jump over it, like find a way over this, you know, or find a way under this, that, that, that's some way that I, I love that thought process, like have a goal, but that, that's something that we do all the time. Is like, it's not some, I don't care how, other than maybe sometimes we'll add the variable of like, I don't care how, but it has to be different. But like your goal is to get under this. Your goal is to get over this. Your goal is to get a ball here. Like what are some of those goals that you think the team sport athletes can kind of grab and apply? And what are those, some of those goals in your training that like where you are having the goal lead you rather than have these like arbitrary rules lead you that really are not like, they, they don't really mean much when it comes down to like the actual, the actual art of the sport. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, like I said, coming back to the, um, when we come to a spot and we find something that we want to do, I would, I would say one of the things we get very good at is having steps where we can, um, like a process where we can work to solving that problem. Um, whether that be by just preparing, uh, finding like a replica of that thing with less consequence and risk and stuff and um god damn it now i've forgotten the question again <laughs> fuck's sake no problem Ugh. but um yeah just going back to like that 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 goal let that goal let approach and i i like that talk about because you, you you mentioned having something that's maybe replicable or at least identifies and just kind of breaking down the skill which is something i again i want to mm. talk to you about too is like if we shift kind of topics a little bit is like breaking down the skill and the art of what you want to accomplish, the art of that goal, the, the skill of that goal and breaking it down. And what I we don't do a very good job in our world, in the strength conditioning world, American sport world is breaking down that skill. Like we either we have the skill and the expression and the goal itself and nothing in between. And a lot of times it's because the consequences, like you mentioned, are not as high. Like it's not going to hurt. If, you know like it's not gonna hurt as bad if you go through sure. the, you're, maybe you'll lose a game but it's not gonna it's not your life at risk or it's not gonna hurt so what's kind of that yeah. process of i'm super interested in the process of learning uh the new skill and learning the process of a comp maybe it's not even a new skill but maybe it's learning the jump or accomplishing the jail but but accomplishing the goal but breaking down that goal and like how do you go about that and what's kind of your process for that's breaking down a jump like what's kind of that process like for you um yeah jumps specifically well well let's say let's say the 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 one on the skyscrapers that you mentioned earlier um so i needed to know how many steps well i needed to know i can make the distance first off mm -hmm. and luckily there was some pipes that were going between the building and it was already kind of like a balance to to go across it um but sometimes what we do when um ideally you'd want to look at a jump and know just from your vision that you can make it um but 16 17 stories up your vision starts to skew a little bit because there are certain things that are affecting that like uh and suddenly the jump looks way bigger than it actually is so so having that um having that objective measurement 
is is pretty useful and we normally like use our feet to measure like um so we'll be like oh yeah that's uh 16 foot in size in size eight like and <laughs> and that's kind of like our language of like oh yeah that's similar to like that one that we did uh blah 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 and it's like oh yeah but it's up or down like a foot or something and so we kind of know based on the jumps that we've done previous like um but yeah, like in that instance, we had to measure balancing across those pipes. So it was kind of, kind of sketch. And then I had to be, so I knew I could make the distance and it was a fairly easy jump. Like mm -hmm. I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be pushing uh, jumps at that height with that much consequence with something that was a hundred percent my uh, physical capability. Um, and then um, I had to find a replica for the run up i don't know if you remember there's like like a step up onto the wall like four foot or something onto the wall then i do three big strides into the flat takeoff into the jump um so i wasn't sure whether i needed four steps to go along that space or three um so luckily i found like a similar step up on that roof which i could kind of replicate it and then find out and if i didn't find that I either wouldn't have gone for the jump because I wouldn't have felt prepared enough. Like I haven't like answered all the questions and got all the information I need because I'm not taking that risk without acquiring all the data that I need to put my life on the line and to know that for sure I'm going to make it. Um, because like all of us, like a lot of people see that video. That that was That's what that caption was about. Like, um, because I've uploaded that clip before and and it's on YouTube and everything. And a lot of the comments are people calling us outright stupid. And maybe because it's so it's such an accessible looking sport. Uh like we don't we don't have to buy um motorbikes, F1 cars and like horses and stuff. Um they're extremely inaccessible sports and although the death toll of these sports are way higher like how many people die in f1 and and superbike riding and stuff um but they're like accepted mm -hmm. um and it, it, it like it's like the barrier to entry for parkour is is so low that when people see it at such a high level they assume it's just some rando that has just like picked it up and tried it and is just stupidly risking their life um but yeah we we all like life uh <laughs> a bit too much to to want to play with it in that sense like i i knew 100 that uh if i worked everything out that i would be able to make that jump presuming i get the takeoff perfect um and yeah then then when i sorted that run-up thing out like uh it it was good to go but if i didn't find that run up pad where i could replicate it i wouldn't have done it or i would have probably taken four steps along the wall and then it would've been really squashed in run up and i don't know if i would have made it cuz it it would have been like really like kind of staggered spacing of the steps and yeah it would have affected the jump a lot or maybe my body would just made it work i don't know i don't like thinking about it cuz like i said <laughs> it makes my butthole pucker up <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's really cool hearing you talk about this because it it is. It's like, uh, like people watch that clip and be like, like you, you, like you said, it's just some dude just jumping. But you, you like this is you said it was that happened in 2016. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's 2022. Like that's six years ago, and you remember every small detail from it. Like 
it's six years since that <laughs> jump and you know every small detail like to the t like memorized into that like you were a master of the goal you know which is something that's like super important to emphasize is is that mastery of your art that mastery of the goal it's six years since like there's 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 football guys that'll step on it like they don't remember six seconds ago of what they just did you know like of, <laughs> like what their task is you know it's like that like answering uh you talked about answering all the questions you need you know and like studying for the test you know like so when you mm -hmm. get to the test it's just a breeze and that that's something like I, I i thought that was super cool from that from that rant is like your mastery of the goal and your studying for the test is <laughs> is so important that's and that's how you do cool stuff like that and that i th really believe that's in any sport like but most people miss it because they just see the end result they see you passing the test and they they, mm -hmm. they see it and they just watch it off as like just some crazy dude or they, they they don't like realize like they need they can do the studying themselves and do the same type of things in any sport uh and they just kind of write it off mm. yeah yeah i mean it's like a, a you're you're probably familiar with alex honnold by now like yep. having been climbing for a bit but like when he when he free soloed um el capitan the free rider route like there was a lot of preparation that went into that he didn't just like put on his shoes one day and it's like i'm gonna try this like might die but like he was lapping that thing for months on end like preparing for it and and then waited for all the conditions to be perfect like to know that all the hard parts that he he could do blindfolded pretty much like and yeah like if you when you hear alex honnold talk about fear fear and uh in the face of life or death situations like he's completely rational and it's it's um yeah it's 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 super hard for people to understand yeah well that that so i wrote down as you started talking in the intro and I wrote down rock climber mindset and you have a rock climber's mindset, rock climber voice, rock climber energy. Like, like that's the first thing like Alex Honnold is the first person that I thought of when you started talking. Like it's so calm. It's so like methodical in your thinking, mm. and your, even your like voice and energy. Like I feel like I'm like pretty going and you're like here. Like is do you think do you think that parkour has helped with that and that has brought that energy that calmness because you need to be calm at a baseline level like throughout your day to be to be able to get to that 10 and i talk about this a lot it's like most people are living their life at like this six and burning all their energy at the six rather than being able to go because they're unable to go low and like they're never able to go super high into like doing something cool like jumping over that so do you think parkour has helped with that or do you think your natural energy state is kind of like that and that's why parkour is super good for you like what what do you think about in the in that mindset phase to where you are super calm and super like super low at this level. But like at some point you got to put on the mask and jump over that building where like that is mm. not a small energy task. Like that's a super, super high energy, super high, like anxiety type tasks where like, so how, how do you kind of envision that? How do you kind of work with that mind space? Yeah. I don't know. Like uh, the calmness is definitely, definitely a thing. Whenever, whenever you see people in videos that are super amped up and you can tell they're, like fully adrenal and it's it's and they've got like their favorite dubstep track in their ear before they do like some front flip roof gap or something and kind of body the landing and everything as well like proper like hot heads um most of what you would see is people that before they go they give like a deep breath in ex slow exhale and then then run into the then start their run up um but yeah like of course like a level of adrenaline is is great and and of course it's not a black and white of on or off 
your adrenal or you're not but like a high state of adrenaline is is really not helpful for those uh fine motor patterns and everything um yeah um i think you shouldn't you shouldn't be terrified when going for something uh like like that jump that i was doing like if i was absolutely terrified where when i was running up to it and on the takeoff like that just means i haven't put in the legwork to figure out all the steps and i haven't got enough information like you're meant to be calm by that point um so you can execute it properly like if if you're f I, I i've said this before in captions a more dangerous thing is half committing to a challenge because at least when you commit you're in a good place to receive that landing well like a bounce off or like what we call like a crane where you'd catch the wall like that um but yeah if you half commit and then just like drop off the wall then it's it's likely to be way way more messy especially if if you're above us anything above a story high um uh so yeah that calmness and um being assured that you're going to commit 100 is is definitely uh where you want to be yeah, yeah. That, that that's awesome and you talk about like that terrifiedness uh and again I, I just keep relating it trying to relate it to team sports it's like you'll see the rah-rah guys in team sports and they're almost always like they're never as good as like um i talk about like Tom Brady or like the good QBs are just completely like still like stone face, like, like same, same energy, like the same energy. They're just going and they're just killers. Like they, they're, they're precision. Um, they're precise. They're killers. They do what they're supposed to do. Um, and it, that terrifiedness you talked about is like, it, that just means I'm unprepared. Like I'm running for something that I'm unprepared for. Of course I'm terrified. And like, you probably don't want like <laughs> those chances being like, those chances are all right in American football where like the worst thing that's going to happen to you is somebody pancakes you or somebody makes you look silly <laughs> or the worst thing in that situation is like much higher. So I really like that approach. And I think that's something that we can steal in this team sport atmosphere is like, like you shouldn't be terrified. If you're terrified, you're probably unprepared a little bit for mm. what you're doing. So that, that calmness is probably a good state of, and I, I notice it myself in sports too. It's like, like when I'm calm, that means I, I'm prepared for what I'm supposed to do. Like, and when I'm all yeah. amped up and ready to go, it's probably because I'm, I'm probably, there's probably a huge percent chance that I'm not going to accomplish the goal that I'm trying to, mm. because I'm unprepared for it. And like, maybe luck goes great. And that, that is a good part in that moment. But ideally we are calm and we are prepared for the task at hand, especially when the risk is high. I think that's the the difference between, say, like American football. Um, and I know that the level of uh, of uh, shots to the head and concussions are, are super high. Um, and the difference is there there are so many moving parts in um, in American football. Like, how prepared can you really be, like, to to know for sure that you're going to avoid get, like you said, getting pancaked and getting some horrible head injury? But with parkour, it's like it's literally you and the jump like you're there's nothing that's making you make the decision any quicker than you're deciding to um like in a way like you compare it you can compare it to driving a car like you're taking a risk when you when you go for a drive even when you're walking in the street like my uh my younger brother was in hospital and he was sat in a ward with someone that was just standing at a bus stop and um, they got hit by a car because they had some brake malfunction or something. And, um, and yeah, and, and he got his legs amputated <laughs> just because like 
he had his headphones on at a bus stop and he just got ran over. Um, you're, you're taking a risk when you step out of your house because there are moving parts that you can't control. Like, um, and yeah, it's the same. You're rolling the dice when you're getting in a car and driving when you're going outside. But when it's just you and the jump, a lot of it is under your control. Yeah. That's kind of a crazy mindset. Everybody would like look at oh sorry, look at what you're doing and like totally this not, but like when you calculate and break it down in the way that you break it down, it, it's pretty it's pretty methodical. It's pretty cool. Um, and that's something that I do want to talk about. It's like how 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 are you building this mental? Because you talk about like you said like most of your jumps are not over 60% of your maximum output. You and you you talk about like being very technical with all of this, but that like at some point like it's it's still like you're jumping over a 16 story build like are you working on the mental aspect or is it just straight preparation like are you doing anything for the mental or is the mental taken care of by the preparation yeah yeah it's again it's it's all based on it's all built upon your prior experience i kind of um compare it to like surfing a wave um so you're you're getting with with every jump that you're doing, you're getting confirmation that your judgment is is good, uh, and you're you're super scared of a jump. You work everything out, and you go for a bit of a mental block, um, and then when you finally go for it, you're like, "Oh, what the fuck? That was like so much easier than I thought it was going to be." Um, what and and those are little, those are little like experience points, um. And they level up your judgment. It's like, okay, I, I know I can do more than I think I can every time. And you can kind of ride that wave with every training day, every new challenge that you get. And sometimes your judgment will be a little bit off and you'll make, you'll, you'll have an injury or something, whether it's big or, or, uh, or small. Um, so it's always your judgment with what you can do like making making sure that judgment aligns with reality pretty much like can you do the things that you think you can um yeah i can't i can't remember if I, what was the question again no no <laughs> no that that, another... that, 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 that that was good making sure your judgment aligns with reality uh i i really like that point i really like it for somebody that is like especially uh, especially like that that hot-headed mindset mm. On the other end of it, is there ever like you talked about the mental block? You talked about like maybe it's where it's like the mental block is kind of pulling you back, and it's like maybe you are prepared, but you're not confident. You see this in like uh, I've been doing some gymnastics classes, and like there's people like I believe like there's so many people that are able to do backflips and front flips. Like it's it's once you get the skill of it down, it's pretty easy. And like most physically, most people are able to do it. They have that mental block that you mentioned, and it's more so the other mm -hmm. end of like where they're not allowing themselves to like real allow what is capable to come into reality do you have any advice for that have you ever like experienced some of that what's kind of your thought process with that mental block mm. it, it the mental block and overcoming fear are one of the hardest problems um in in parkour pretty much um and of course there's such a diverse range of people that the stuff that they're willing to commit to is so so below their physical capabilities and the stuff that they've done in the past uh, and there's also the people that are like i said the hotheads that just go for shit that um they have no business doing 
and 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 I I say this not to not to discredit not to discredit Dom Tomato. Do you do you know Dom Tomato, the the Australian guy? No. He, he's this guy that uh is super famous. He he's one of I no, he is the most followed uh parkourist on Instagram. Um he does the biggest stuff and the craziest stuff you'll see and he gets away with being that hothead because he's so indestructible. So he he won't get the same consequence as someone that is um that is a normal person because he he can get uh he can throw himself at something and he can still come away with valuable information about himself and his own capabilities because he doesn't have to he doesn't get an injury every time he does he's like whoa that was that was great now i can know <laughs> Like now you can error correct and and do it better the second time, but a lot of us won't get a second time. Um, and I think he's gotten so good because his his mentality is fed by his um, his physical robustness and anti fragility. I guess. I mean, that's the that's the principle of anti fragility, isn't it? I guess. Like he, he gains from disorder, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, where where does that come from with him? Like, where does that indestructibility like come from from him? Because that that's something that the that's almost like the holy grail of sports performance is trying to get your athletes to be indestructible for that exact reason. So even if they fail, they're not breaking. You know, like they're not breaking, mm-hmm. so they are able to grab that information. That's super cool that you mentioned that because that that's every sport. You know, like as long as you're yeah. not breaking, you can learn information from that, and that information yeah. applies like to be able to solve the test that you're trying to solve. So it's like continuing to try to take the test without the test breaking you. So where does that indestructibility come from? Because that's something that I, I see in the parkour world is like the parkour athlete seems so much more indestructible than a lot of other athletes out there uh, and doing mm. much more extreme things. Where does where do you see that coming come from specifically with him and then in the, the, the world of parkour? I think for him. Oh, you should definitely check this guy out. Okay, um, I will for uh, sure. after, after this podcast. <laughs> I'll send I'll send you some stuff. I think for him, he's I mean, he's no doubt a genetic anomaly, but I think it's partly his history as well. He was a figure skater from a very young age up until he turned 18. Uh he dropped out because he was responsible for uh I think he I'm not sure if it was his fault or uh as essentially he dropped um the girl that he was skating with and she broke her leg and he was like nah i'm out and then he found parkour um so yeah i think a background in figure skating i don't know if it's like the constant like isometric kind of uh strength built up from i don't know being in those positions or whatever um but yeah i don't know um i i i would love to know because i i I definitely want what he's smoking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and maybe maybe that's what it is as well. Like maybe it's just because he fucking smokes a lot. Like <laughs> this this guy uh this is kind of what he's famous for as well. It, it defies all logic in that sense as well that he he is some like you you want to find out his secrets and everything and he literally is someone that eats chips for dinner every day <laughs> and like eating crackers and um and just smokes his body weight in in weed every day. Like uh, he's fascinating. Like he <laughs> he's someone you should get on. Ah, oh, and um, you know the high performance podcast with Angus Bradley. Yep. 
um th- they had him on a couple of times already actually oh really okay i'm, a, I'm super a random I was, that, then. I was scrolling i was scrolling through their um their feed on spotify and then just saw his name come up and i was like just what why there's like so many strength and conditioning coaches and athletes and stuff and then just dumb <laughs> but yeah <laughs> that's legendary that's legendary you got to see that a lot too and like that probably goes back you have the genetic anomaly but it's also like that mentality of like like they just full send like kind of everything like full send the weed the full send the food you know like it's whatever it's just kind yeah. of that mentality that, the mentality that makes them special is the mentality that like like they don't have the normal brain that you and i have to or like that doesn't make any sense like you want to do but like they don't care like they're yeah. they're just yeah, eating yeah, yeah. some of that stuff um you talked you, you mentioned you said like judgment being a little off and you're like and if judgment's a little off you get a little injury and it's like but you approach that in such like a a technical way in such like a calm state and, and you busted up your ankle pretty bad. Like I saw that and I was mm. like, Oh man, like <laughs> that looks brutal. And you see a t- team sport athlete, like they get that. It's like, um, like everything's over. Like, like their approach is like, it's a very fragile approach. It's like a body part broke, like everything's over. It's done, but you approach it and like, okay, the judgment's just a little bit off. Like, let's get back to work. Like what else can we do? Is, is that like, how, how did you, how did you get that mindset with injuries and kind of what is your mindset with injuries in the world of parkour? Because like the injuries happen, like, you, you know, you're taking a risk going with what mm-hmm. you're doing. And like, if judgment is a little bit off, that's going to be the consequence basically. So like, what is your approach to those injuries and, and how have you got to that point? Um, yeah, I, I would say most injuries, I'd, I'd need to say like that recent ankle sprain is, um, literally on the smallest seemingly inconsequential thing on two bike racks on the ground like that's when injuries are more likely to happen when you're you're not quite appreciating something as dangerous as it potentially could be because you're just noodling you're doing you're doing something stupid and then suddenly like you land a bit weird and uh you just roll your ankle um and i i I swear it's the same with like most people like you're just stepping off a curb and it happens. Um, but um, I think it's the same for, for most injuries potentially in parkour. It rarely happens when you're super focused and you've, like I said, you've got all the data you needed um, to go into it confidently. Um, I guess that's why a lot of people haven't, died doing the rooftop stuff um yeah remind me the remind me the question again yeah I think how, I... how you approach uh injuries in sport and then and then i also want to branch it off into kind of transition this into kind of your your rehab and, and you from that ankle like how you how you approach that because it, it seemed like a pretty cool way um and then maybe we'll transition that into your training for parkour because one of the cool things that you do like you had like you lift, like you you do some lifts, yeah. like you do some lifts. So maybe some of the mm. benefits of that, and some of the benefits of your traditional, like how how you see that rehab aspect helping you, and how you see injuries, and how how you kind of apply all this training in these seemingly like traditional, like kind of American like weightlifting ways into your chaotic sport of of um, parkour, and how 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 these things are benefiting you, and how you're approaching them. Yeah, I guess. Um... I guess it's just like general physical preparation. I guess it's it's just uh, trying to improve um, force production and stuff for the power output side of things, as well as uh, we we deal with a lot of high eccentric for eccentric forces, um, and just trying to build up that robustness uh, to not pick up any 
any of the chronic injuries, I guess, because that's that's also a thing that is rampant through our community, as you could probably guess with mm-hmm. with how much impact we deal with. Um, but yeah, there's that. Um, I think most for most people with those chronic injuries, it'll probably just be having a better idea of load management because there are so many people that will just train intensely day in day out and then be wondering why um they have like a big patella tendon flare-up um and and when you've read some strength and conditioning books and rehab books and stuff and it's like well it's very obvious that you've just spiked your um spiked spiked your load um and consistently doing that and then not letting it heal because every time you rest for two months or something and then return back to the same intensity and then wonder why like a week later you're in the exact same position for so many people it's like the same um the same cycle again and again um without realizing that it needs to be like that gradual um that gradual graded exposure back to sport um yeah and how 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 uh do you think it's like do you think training the way you train is and the science aspect you talked about the load management aspect it, like other people aren't saying like do you think that's common in the world parkour because I feel like I've never heard it but you're obviously deeper into the world of parkour where athletes are paying attention to that like is hmm. is that com- becoming more common do you think it's a common aspect or do you think like it has ways to go in the world of parkour it definitely has uh it definitely has a long way to go there's not many there's a few people that are um selling programs and bespoke coaching uh, for strength and conditioning specifically for parkour um it's well that that's the 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 crazy thing is strength training and uh physical preparation has always been so tightly woven into parkour it's super weird because the history the originators that started it in france they weren't so it didn't start out just as um movement and like efficient movement over obstacles it was that was a part of it but a lot of it was they were trying to become goku essentially like, <laughs> yeah. I, they, they had super military parents um uh most of which were super into georges herbert and uh the natural method and everything um so they were just trying to become um fucking strong like in all senses of the word but mostly using um i'm just i like imagining their training is is probably just like a rocky men a rocky montage like the whole thing um and they're trying to really push the mental fortitude side of training not even to get stronger but like using physical activity to kind of um like push their push their what they can physically make themselves do which sounds like a fucking disaster for overtraining but that <laughs> yeah. that was that was what made them in that time um um so when we when we like the second generation of people that started parkour like uh in in the rest of the world as soon as it came out of their little bubble seeing them train like that we thought that oh you have to like do so much strength and conditioning stuff um 
And most of the shit that they were doing was like lots of push-ups, bodyweight squats, crawling backwards upstairs, and just stuff that was kind of fluff and anything and wasn't really that sports specific. Um, and yeah, there was this weird disconnect and anything that used weights was um, unnatural and everything. So you'd get so many people doing like more calisthenics based stuff and not really understanding that it was that the guys that were starting it, they weren't doing it to get specifically strong for their sport. But um, and then you got like a few people that um, were slightly more um what's the word uh some people like were a bit more curious and and had been through sports science read a few mark ripito books and verkashansky and stuff and then like that kind of weight training stuff kind of trickled in slowly and um yeah it's it's still kind of getting there but um yeah uh, a lot of the a lot of the stuff is still still very much misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's great yeah. that you like you kind of went to the roots to like understand it because that that's like I mean that's so so many aspects of sport is like this folklore and this like originating like aspect leading to misinformation now and a lot of it's not even like that the original person was wrong is that like we misread like what the original person was even talking about yeah you know, like they weren't even yeah, doing yeah. it for the purpose like you mentioned I thought I think that's yeah. super cool to like go back and read yeah so funny so funny. And so I'm interested then, and in, it seems like you have a pretty good understanding and just watching your training online. It's like, you're not just this dude that, and throughout this podcast, you're not just this dude that's eating yourself off. Like you, you have a plan and you're, you're building things out pretty, pretty intelligently. What does mm. kind of like a parkour training schedule look like for you? Like weekly, like what, what does that kind of look like? How many days a week are you doing parkour? Like, are you doing other, don't you talked about bouldering? I don't know if that's just something that you're just doing now for fun, or is that like a real donor sport that you think can help? Like, uh, and then how are you adding in weights and like plyometrics to this? What's kind of like your weekly training schedule kind of look like for parkour? Um, so whenever, whenever I've um, actually strictly tried to follow a program in the past, uh, I would pick up overuse injuries because I didn't quite understand um, like, and, and it's funny because I, I started uh, lifting for parkour as, as a supplement for parkour to reduce injuries. And, um, and eventually like it gave me the worst injury I've, I'd ever had. Like um, I had back pain for like two and a half years and um, some of it, some of which I was bed bound with, with horrible um, sciatica. Um, I didn't realize that doing two highly stressful things throughout the in the training week like oh yeah i'm following this program to it, it like a, a strength training program is meant to give you the it's, it's that balancing act that goldilocks giving you the exact right amount of stress not to overtrain you or undertrain you um and i was following that program and getting the right amount of stress but i just happened to be doing parkour six days a week on top of that <laughs> as well so <laughs> so um yeah that was i was kind of asking for for some kind of acute injury um but now I, I don't follow any program anymore like i fit everything that i do around what i want to do outside the gym the stuff that's actually fully 
meaningful to me. Um, um, so yeah, I guess my schedule is, it's kind of all over the place, but I pretty much, um, so long as I've had like a couple of days, so long as I'm not sore or achy, like I'll, I'll just go to the gym and lift something heavy or do, um, some trap bar jumps or, or weighted pull-ups and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's not as, um, structured as it used to be because I think just following the structure has, uh, uh, too intently has just fucked me over in the past. And I would rather not focus too much on the strength and conditioning side and just because the training schedule is, is very much based on the weather, who's out, um, what you're doing. So trying to fit strength and conditioning around that schedule that is quite chaotic is, uh, is hard. And I'm just trying to remember as well, like what, actually gives me a sense of fulfillment and meaning and that is the parkour stuff and getting too tied up in the supplementary stuff is um just bit him in the ass bit of me in the ass in the past no that's freaking killer that's everything that uh, we talk about here too because you you talk about like your training structure where it's based off weather and like all those as or friends in the area or just challenges that you want it's also it's just life man it's like yeah uh, you have a girlfriend breakup you have fight out where you like do any of that like there's so many mm. constant random stressors that can come into your life and then you have your team sport you have a sport that comes on top of then these stressors that are like coming and attacking yeah and but you're like you're supposed to follow no matter like 13 weeks ago i planned on this tuesday for you to one rep max yeah. swap because yeah, you're yeah, supposed yeah. to be peaking it's like man it like it's a, like it's really cool to hear like athletes like yourself talk about that because like just like how like to me it seems like especially when you get out of the box how obviously stupid that seems but yeah mm-hmm. like we're, we're still here like doing it like you're still here doing it rather than like you said like and like part of the part of the argument is like well not a, not all athletes know their bodies as well as you call them not as all athletes know your body as well as me uh, because we've been mm. doing it. It was like, isn't that the point of training though? Is like to get them to know their bodies, you know, like, mm. so like, instead of like allowing them to learn their bodies and allowing them to like make those decisions and they're going to make wrong decisions and right decisions, a hundred percent, like learning this, this process of like that. I talk about like that intuitive training, like being able to go in and out, like learning that process, you're going to make errors for sure. You're going to make errors the other way too. So it's not like you're training on and off there. Like you're going to make mm. errors either way, but one way you're allowing that athlete to learn their bodies and like understand and make less errors and go forward. And the other way, like you're taking this like high dictatorship role over their bodies, pretending like, like, like we yeah. have any of the answers in that way. Yeah. And you know, what's going to happen 12 weeks down the line and phase potentiation and all that stuff. Was, was it, um, Angus Bradley has that, um, uh, golden micro cycle thing, just like focusing on having like a good week of training rather than like trying to plan like, three months in a head with a with a yeah i don't know that's that's got to be the way it is especially especially with a sport that's so all over the place like parkour and especially as like in parkour goals change all the time as well so trying to like yeah it's not yeah complex we're all complex <laughs> yeah yeah and approaching it and this accepting that too which I think, I think is super important but like when you accept that you give up power as a like you give up power as a coach like that that's the thing like you give up the power of your magic program as a coach and like mm. to me it's like like that your job is not as a coach to have that power your job is as coach to like let your athletes like learn their bodies and like to me it's like 
my no no i like and a lot of my like they don't need me like they, they should know what they're doing you know like that that's mm-hmm. my kind of like i'll give them ideas and like give them things but like at the end of the day like they don't they don't need me like they, they know that yeah. they know kind of what we're doing and like this is it's like they want they want to come here and they want to do what we want to do but like they should never need what i do you know yeah. like we, we teach them like that, that's in our entire that point, should that be the, that should be the goal of that should be the goal of any coach like not just like parkour coach i i i said this as a parkour coach in the past there are there are so many um coaching systems which really seem like they're trying to keep their uh students and and so they never fly the nest and learn but i i want to teach people to learn how to do parkour on their own like that's and and i think it's the same across the board for coaching it's like you should want to um teach them to not need you anymore like it should be a good day where you say farewell like you can you can do this on your own now like and i don't know yeah just handing out like a program probably isn't the the best way to do that yeah and it's it's kind of like the advice it's like the the yin and yang too because it's like in the process of trying to keep them and trying to keep that control you lose them like you you lose athletes that way and in the process of like trying to give them control like they want to train with you like (laughs) they enjoy training with you and they want to be with you so like even if you're going business wise, I you have gym coaches like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But like, I'm going to lose all my athletes from it's like, no, you won't. I promise you, you will not lose your, like, they're going to want to come and train with you. And they, they just mm. don't have to like that. That And then it's like, it also makes yeah, your yeah. job as a coach free too. Cause now you're having real conversations rather than just like sitting there programming your three by 10 and yelling at them about like squat dev. It's like, I never talk to my athletes about that stuff. Like I just have real conversations. Like I show up and have conversations just about life, like about deeper things rather than, um yeah. my three by ten that i have for them <laughs> that sounds sick yeah yeah, yeah well th- th- this cool. is this is pretty sweet is there anything else that you kind of want to dive into or talk about before we end um nothing that's nothing that's coming up right now no any big challenges that you kind of got any what's what's kind of the next big training goal for you Oof. i mean since since my uh i think it's been just over a year now i've been free of this uh um back pain and i've I've just been enjoying training again like i i went through a phase where i'd completely given up on chasing this peak uh performance thing and like i had i had a super long list of goals um and jumps and challenges and everything that i still wanted to tick off um and there was a time where i completely dropped that uh during the back pain episode and i would I said I would just be happy to do like an eight foot precision jump again and just to like rep that and do like the small intricate little flow things again. Um, and now now I'm like on the other side of that and I, I'm i 31 and I can push myself uh, better than I ever could, but um, I'm not so um, psychopathically kind of chasing um progression in the same way and i feel like i'm just enjoying the process a lot more i guess yeah. well that, that that's super that's super relatable because i uh i herniated a disc in my back when i was 16 and it's like that that and out mm. with like all the doctors I don't, I don't know what your approach is we can talk about it too but like my, my like the doctors i went to all told me like you'll never pick up anything heavy again like you'll be lucky to play sports <sighs> again like it's all gonna be like and i was 16 i was like man Fuck like there's sake, just man. no way that's that the is worst. 
no way that's right but like you talk yeah. about that appreciation for movement like i would rather just like you're all right like like i would just want to make an eight foot jump again you know and like once you get it's almost like it, it's that re-addictive like aspect to like you really understand why you appreciate it in the first place rather than mm. like it turns into almost a job or like for football is like football and training for me was turning into a job and then you get that at like you're like oh like i get to do this you know like that appreciation to like do it and then that frees you up so much more to like understand why you're doing it and that, that freedom aspect of it what was yeah, that? Yeah. What was that? And, and I'm interested. So you you brought up this back pain twice now. Uh, I, I I didn't know about this with you. How how did that kind of happen? And what was kind of your journey your, your journey back from that? Yeah, it was. It's. I mean, same with a lot of people uh, with back pain. It's a really, it's a really confusing one. Um, mm-hmm. Well, well, how I got it, like like I uh, like I mentioned, it was just um, it was just overtraining. It was just mixing. Um, uh, the strength training stuff with the intense parkour stuff throughout the week and eventually just went one day and um in a went in a squat or what what happened when you what do you mean it, went? it was it was it was quite a few episodes it was never just one thing to be honest it okay. was um it would get shit then it would kind of get better and then i would I would just not learn from my mistakes over and over again, just like the 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 guy with the knee pain that um, takes a, a couple of months off and then comes back <laughs> to the same again. intense shit. And like, that, what's that saying? Like, um, when life tries to teach you lessons, um, it it starts throwing ping pong balls at you. Um, but if you if you don't listen to the lessons, those ping pong balls become bowling balls. <laughs> and like, I I uh, with the um, with like the lowest point in my back pain, I got a bowling pool chucked at me. Like, and that, and that was, that was when I was like bed bound pretty much. Um, and, and that's also like around the time when I was, um, um, like I said, same with a lot of people with back pain. It's such a clusterfuck when you're trying to find information out there. And there's so many people selling nocebos and, um spinal adjustments and everything so of course like went to see like several different chiropractors spunk loads of money on osteopaths and different physios and stuff um and eventually i just i just i think i read a pain science book by greg layman as well as um reading some stuart mcgill stuff and seeing a, a stuart mcgill certified clinician in london um and I know McGill is meant to be super uh, nocebic and stuff as well, like um, not moving the spine and everything. And, um, but I think those two things coinciding, me me seeing this um, McGill clinician and reading this pain science book, like made me join the dots kind of thing <laughs> and kind of put my own um, rehab plan into action and just slowly build things up again. And I just... I think I just got the message at that point and then just just slowly started to do what I wanted to do again and then eventually got my eight foot precision back like and um and just kept building from there pretty much and and I'm back to gym as well like I I set a new uh deadlift record a few months ago like that I didn't even get before this back injury and stuff and and you seem to look pretty good now as well since uh since 16 
Yeah, since you had this herniation. Yeah. I was gonna say that's pretty sweet to hear, and I, I really like the, the the pain science for me was I, I went through the whole journey too. The McGill, like all the all the chiros, all the doctors mm. telling me all of it, and none of it really worked. But until the the pain science one was a really big one for me of just like the freedom aspect and like the 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 understanding of what's happening and that mm. like for me it was just like I I got this fragile mindset in my head from all these experts that were telling me it and then I mm. stopped moving and when I stopped moving like it only got worse and mm. you know I'm becoming more fragile and able to do less um just because I'm exposing my body to less stressors at a less but now I got into that pain science and got into um, a lot of podcast guests that came on and it's like just progressively get yourself back to where you were and like mm. you're able to do all these things and and like one of the big things too is like and parkour world it's really good that you came from there because you know movement's not bad but american football world and weightlifting world like a lot of it is movement is bad mm. like there's a lot of there's a ton of bad movement so I, you get in that headspace of movement is bad so you stop getting exposing yourself to movement um and you get kind of stuck in like at one point like i was like it was like two or three times like a month I'd be stuck in bed. Like it would just completely lock up, unable to move. I'd be mm -hmm. stuck in bed, not able to move. Um, and then the rest of my time when I was able to move, I moved like a complete where like my spine was yeah. like I braced, like stiff, like I wasn't able to yeah, move at yeah. all. And avoiding all these movements actually led to like unable to move and like going back from that and like realizing, okay, like you can scale this, you can come back into mm -hmm. movement. Like you don't have to be scared of movement, which was huge. And you will heal. Like that was a big like yeah. realization too, is like, cause when you're stuck in bed, like, I, I I don't know about you, but like the mentality is like, man, like, am I stuck here forever? You know, like, are you stuck? Mm. In, like, is this ever going to free up? And it's like, that's where backs are kind of scary too. You hear a lot of athletes. It's like, it locks up on them and they're like, oh, like, am I done? It's like, oh, just like, I chill. Like, we'll take a chill. Like, we're, we're going to get better. Like, I promise we're going to get better. And just even that realization of like, things are going to get better and we're going to be able to rehab from this and progress from this and go forward from this mm. was super freeing for me. Yeah. It is literally the optimism is, it was the, was the best thing and and was what I needed um but but also um like I said it, it was the um it was the going from complete rest to to training 100% again that was the I think I think people in parkour are definitely um prone to more overexposure than than underexposure and like fear of movement um and yeah, more that cycle rather than just uh, the cycle of complete rest and just waiting for natural history to do its thing when occasionally like it does need some stimulus to um, turn down that pain signal, I guess. Yeah. Or a balance of stimulus too, you know, cause like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. definitely like you talk about like the parkour world is probably the exact opposite where they're doing, they, they, they never rest because rest is always bad. And then there's the other world where movement is always bad. So like that balance mm -hmm. and being able to progress forward, I think is, is something super cool. Anyways, I, I want to thank you for coming on this. This was awesome. This is everything I was hoping it would be got a lot of cool, uh, cool bits in the parkour world. And, uh, I just want to thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thanks man. Uh, yeah. I really enjoy your podcast. I'm, I'm honored that, uh, that you asked me to come on. And um, yeah, I, I, it might be a bit of a different one. I feel like we spoke about uh, parkour so much. Um, <laughs> I expected it to more be on like uh, the rehab stuff, but it'll probably be like I'm no expert on any of that stuff. It'll probably be super half baked if I if I tried uh, trying to sound smart and shit. Um, but yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's been fun. Oh, thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. 
Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.